Thank you for joining us today. You are moments away from a sermon presented by Thompson Presbyterian Church in Thompson, Georgia. We are an associate Reformed Presbyterian Church that seeks to glorify God, grow in Christ, and go in His Spirit. You can hear this sermon and many others this time every Sunday right here on WTHO 101.7 FM. You can also listen to sermons on our website, thompsonpresbyterian.org. Please come and join us and worship God with us in spirit and in truth. If you are unable to attend or not yet comfortable in joining us, please feel free to watch the service live on our Thompson Presbyterian Church YouTube channel every Sunday at 11 a.m. I thank you for being with us today. Now let us turn our attention to the word of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by looking at his holy scripture. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If you would, find a a seat that you will be comfortable in, and uh, we'll start our time of worship. Welcome to the house of the Lord. We are the body of Christ. We have a, a guest MDiv student this morning with us, Bridger Bond, and I'll in- introduce him. And, and, uh, all right, well, let's open with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for encouraging us, wooing us into your house. Lord, we are the body of Christ, and you want us to come and worship you because, one, you're worthy. You do want to be honored and praised. You do not share that honor and praise with anything or anybody. And so therefore, this is an opportunity for us to show our gratitude, our faithfulness in coming before you, Lord. It reminds us of what you've said in your word. It reminds us of your promises. We'll hear your word proclaimed this morning. It will remind us of who we are in relationship to you. It reminds us of who we are as a body of believers to encourage and support one another. This, O Lord, is your day. May you be honored and glorified in it. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. I would like to open with Psalm 95, verses 1 through 7. Uh, This morning's uh, Sunday school class was on... uh, chapter 122 which talks about worship so I thought this would be an excellent one to bring us into a frame of why we are here Psalm 95 1 through 7 come let us sing for joy to the Lord let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song for the Lord is a great God the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Amen. Bridger Bond is a uh, MDiv student at Erskine College. He is a chaplain candidate for the military, Army, and uh, we want to welcome him this morning. 
Nonetheless, today's scripture comes from the first chapter in the book of Psalms, Psalm 1. As you turn to the first chapter in the book of Psalms, let me just give a brief introduction to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is one of the most captivating literatures ever to have written. The book is full of songs of Israel, praising God with a full range of emotion, reaching from hope all the way down to sorrow, even to defeat, and even highlights the promises of God. St. Augustine once said, if the psalm prays, you pray. If the psalm laments, you lament. And if the psalm extols, you rejoice. If it fears, you fear. Everything written here is a mirror for us. It is through the psalms that we see Christ revealed to us in the Old Testament. We see the truth of this psalm that Christ has revealed to us today, even more in Psalm 1. But before we read God's holy and fallible word, let us approach him in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this beautiful congregation and those who are watching. Lord, we pray that your spirit be behind these words. Lord, convict us, guide us, lead us to know you more, to love you, to rejoice in you, and to praise you for all your goodness, even in the midst of a pandemic, even in the midst of social disorder. Let us learn to praise you. In your name, Jesus, amen. Psalm 1, I'll be reading from the New King James. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does he shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners nor stand in this judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, the way of the wicked, the ungodly shall perish. As we read our psalm today, we realize right away there are two groups of people, two groups of people. We have the righteous and the wicked. Thomas Watson rightly says about this psalm, he says, this is a Christian guide, for it discovers the quicksands where the wicked sink down to perdition, but the firm ground which the saints tread to glory. As we look at our psalm this morning, we realize the first word that catches our eye is blessed. Some translation use the word happy, others blessed, which is very appropriate for either word because blessedness and happiness convey the same thing here in the Hebrew. And blessedness and happiness is something that everyone wants Everyone wants to be happy and blessed. If you're anything like me, you have a Facebook account or some sort of social media account. And every time you log in, you see tons of pictures pop up in your feed. I see tons of pictures of my friends posting their personal life. They see how happy they are. They want to show how happy, how blessed they are, what they have. They want to show off their new toy or brag about their family or prom promote themselves about some job they just got. Rarely do we see pictures of people sad. Rarely do we see people broken or express their failures. Our culture 
Our society is bent on this quest of happiness. That's why we do not see uh, pictures of sorrow, brokenness, or failures. So people say that true happiness is whatever job you have, and if you find that job that makes you happy, you will never work a day in your life. Some say not working at all is true happiness, and that's their highest end. <laughs> Some people uh, say that happiness is tied to your health. In fact, um, the happier you are, they say, your immune system is better. I don't know how that works out. My wife's a nurse. You might have to talk to her about that. Um, what is happiness, though? What is blessedness? We see the world all around us right now on this quest for happiness and blessedness. But what is the Christian quest for happiness and blessedness? But what is happy or happiness? The Oxford Dictionary defines it as feeling or showing pleasure or contentment in, which is similar to the Hebrew word here, which I'm not going to say the Hebrew word, but it means blessed or how happy, a heightened state of happiness, and it implies favorableness in a situation. And today, as we look at our psalm, we see three points of blessedness and happiness for the Christian, for the blessed man. We see three points, which are passion, obsession, and production. Let us dig deeper. First one says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of the uh, sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. As I was mentioning earlier, we already see two groups here contrast against each other. We see the blessed man and the wicked. The psalmist, which I, I believe is King David, uses these three words for the wicked, the sinners, ungodly, scornful, to describe one major category, the wicked. By calling them these three words is to describe the wicked to their fullest attributes. The ungodly are morally evil. Everything they think and do is set on doing evil. The sinner is the one who's not just guilty, but he knowingly knows, or he knows what he's doing. He is morally culpable for his actions before God. He's breaking God's law, and he doesn't care. And the scornful is a word who is a, is a person who mocks, ridicules others. Maybe translated as, as a babbler. St. Thomas Aquinas says this about this verse, actually. No man can live without delight, and that is why a man deprived of spiritual joy goes over to evil pleasures. The wicked have their delight, but their delight is not in the Lord. Their delight is in their fleshly desires and the ways of this world. And notice the verbs before the wicked. We see walks, stands, and sits. The psalmist says, blessed is he who does not walk does not stand or sit with the wicked. You might be thinking to yourself, this is, this is actually troubling. How may I witness to my neighbors? How may I share the gospel with those who I know are not believers? Well, the, the, the psalm, psalmist here is not saying not to share the gospel, not to witness about the truth of God. He is simply saying, do not partake, do not conform to their way of life. The blessed man does not think about the ways of the wicked. His mind is set on one thing, God's law. And God's law is his passion. Blessed is the man captivated by one thing, God's law. 
Let's look at verse 2. But his delight, the first part of verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. You might be thinking to yourself, Bridger, we're under grace. We're no longer under law. That's right. But the law serves us three purposes here. This is from R.C. Sproul. He says the law serves as a mirror. The law reflects and illumines who we are truly before God. This is why some people, if not most, don't like the law. It exposes their failures, their inadequacies, their depravity before God. As R.C. Sproul taught, the law highlights our weaknesses, our weakness, so that we might seek the strength found in Christ. Second purpose of the law is to attend to restrain evil. It cannot change the heart. The law cannot change the heart. And I think Sproul is right. They can't change the heart. Only God can. The law's purpose is to exhibit proper justice. Do this and live. If you don't do this, you shall surely die. Third use of the law shows what is pleasing to God. Here, I think this is what King David is saying and what he's expressing for his readers. How that we may bless the Lord. How that we may glorify the Lord. This is why the psalmist here takes great delight in the law of God. That delight is not just a delight that's superficial, but it's his passion. He finds great joy in the law, and he loves it. The blessed man finds his purpose from the law of God and who he is from the law. Psalm 19 states this, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting or restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. David also writes in Psalm 94, Blessed is the man whom you instruct, O Lord, and teach out of your law. The longest chapter in the entire Bible is actually found in the book of Psalms, Psalm 119. And I know most people pass that up each year in their reading Bible plan because it's so long. But have we noticed the first verse in Psalm 119? It says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Contrary to popular belief, the law of the Lord is not a burden. It's not a burden, especially for the blessed man here in Psalm one. For the blessed man discovers his purposes. He sees who he is through the law of God, and he finds a way to serve and glorify God. The law is terrifying for the unbeliever, but it is not dreadful for the believer. For believers discover who they are in the law and who to run to for comfort. They, be, they discover how to become faithful to God through his law. For example, I know this is uh, probably a great example of being in the South right now. Everyone takes great delight in eating barbecue. Yes, I think everyone can relate to that in one capacity or another. But no one takes more delight in eating barbecue than the pitmaster. He's the one that's up early in the morning, kindling the wood. He's the one who's prepping the meat the night before or morning of. And throughout the day, he's ensuring the temperature is at the right level in order to make sure the meat doesn't get burnt. And at the end of the day, when the meat is fully cooked, prepared, he serves it. 
He takes great delight in eating it, but also great delight seeing others eating it. You might be thinking about your own passion, whatever it may be. It might be model trains. It might be arts and crafts, baseball cards, whatever it may be. This is the same level of passion the psalmist, the blessed man here in Psalm 1, has with the law of God. That is his passion. He is focused completely on the law of God. Do you find great delight in the law of the Lord, as the blessed man does here? Or do you see it as a burden, as some do in our culture today? Because the man of God, the blessed man here, uh, finds great passion and delight in the law of the Lord, it becomes this obsession. The rest of verse 2 says, And in his law he meditates day and night. And it would naturally follow if one's passion becomes one's obsession. And we see this with athletes in all types of sports today. Tom Brady's a great example. He's the one who always watches the film of the next team he has to play, studying, studying, studying to see their tactics, to see their plays, see and listen to their calls, hand and arm signals, He's so obsessed with it, that's why he has six Super Bowl rings. Or another example might be Conor McGregor. He's a UFC MMA fighter, and he contributes his success to the sport with his passion. He's totally obsessed with this sport. And when he lost to Nick Diaz, all he could do is train. And outside of the gym, he was watching film to study his opponent. This is the same thing with the blessed man. He is totally obsessed with the law of the Lord because he finds great delight in it. He is constantly thinking about the law of the Lord. He's constantly studying it. Meditation is a word used as a cat purrs. It's a constant repeating sound. And this is what the psalmist, the blessed man, is doing. He's completely reciting the law of the Lord. He's meditating on it because he's so obsessed with it. Thomas Watson says this about meditation. Meditation is the touchstone for a Christian. It shows what metal he is made of. It is a spiritual index as the index shows what is in a book. So meditation shows what is in the heart. He goes on and he says this, the reason we come away so cold from reading God's word is that we do not warm ourselves by the fire of meditation. The blessed man's fuel here is his passion, his constant obsession with studying, reading, praying through the law of the Lord. Another Puritan, B. Ashwood, says this, meditation is like the animal that chews the cud and he gets the sweetness and the nutrition virtue of the wood, of the word and the heart and life of the Christian. And this is the way that godly brings forth much fruit. The blessed man is continually thinking about God's law, his life situation, how to apply God's law in his everyday life. When life gets tough and the tough gets going, what does the blessed man do? He meditates on the law of the Lord. He looks at ways to apply God's law in his life in that given situation, how to glorify the Lord, even when it seems impossible. Even when life storms come, when the rains are cold and we're freezing and the thunders are loud, like the thunders the last couple of days around Augusta, the blessed man knows his warmth comes from the law of the Lord. 
Even when the thunder clouds come and darkens the days, the law of the Lord is a light to the path of the blessed man, because in it, it is God's light, and that through his light, we shall see the light. How obsessed are we with God's law? Do you think about it day and night? Even during this pandemic where everything's just turned upside down, or during these last couple of months of social unrest in major cities, are we thinking about God's law, how to glorify the Lord? Or are we allowing the culture and the given situation before us dictate how to live? Let's look at the last three verses of Psalm 1. It says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does, he shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so. But they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. David says, blessed is a man. The blessed man is, is, is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. The blessed man who meditates on the Lord is like a tree by the source of its water. I think everyone sees that analogy right there. A tree close to a source of water for if a tree is close to a source of waters, it will always bring forth fruit. Its leaf is always green. It will never lack in anything. Likewise, blessed man who keeps his mind on the law of the Lord, he lacks nothing. He is constantly fed like that tree by the source of its water, and he's cared for. It's important to look at this very descriptive passage right here about the blessed man and the tree near its source of water because a tree who's close to its water has fruit. Likewise, the man of God who's close with the law of the Lord bears much fruit because he's close to his source of water, his food, his sustenance. But notice the difference here between the blessed man and the wicked. The blessed man produces fruit and whose leaf shall not wither he shall, whatever he does, he, the blessed man proper, uh, prospers, but the wicked does not. The wicked cannot. They are not close to the water. I'm from Arizona, and growing up out in the desert, there's not much water. <laughs> and when you go out in the desert, you see a tumbleweed or a, a branch away, broken off, not connected to anything. It's dried up. It's, it's brittle. That is the wicked. That's the wicked. He's the branch that's found in the desert. They are dead. Dead, rotten pieces of wood. They're good for one thing, fuel for the fire. And their ash is blown away by the wind. The psalm begins with the blessed man not walking, standing, or sitting with the wicked. And the psalm ends quite with the opposite. The wicked do not stand or dwell in the congregation of the righteous. Why? because they are driven to and fro by the wind. They will not be able to stand or sit in the judgment of the right, righteous. Instead, they are driven into their own destruction by their own devices because they set their hearts on their flesh. They do not want anything of the Spirit of God. They don't care about the law of God. 
They care about their own selfish ends. Beloved, the law of God for the Christians is not a burden. It is a way to train us up, to reprove us, to teach us, to instruct us everything concerning and about holiness. But there, there's a huge problem here. I've been using the word blessed man throughout this whole sermon. But who is the blessed man in this psalm? And who are the wicked? Beloved, if you're putting yourself as that blessed man in Psalm 1, then you're missing the point. I'm sorry for leading you that way. The blessed man, it's not you, it's not me. I can tell you who we are. We are the wicked outside God's good grace. We do not meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. We're quick to go after the advice of others. Even we think the advice is good and we realize it's contrary to God's law. We are quick to partake in the, the lifestyle of the ungodly. Just notice the Netflix movies, what's popular on or through Amazon or whatever we're watching that reflects who we are. Outside of God's good grace, we are nothing but the chaff which the wind blows, destined for destruction. This psalm, though, points to one person that we could completely find comfort in. Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the blessed man in the psalm. He's the one that devoted his life day and night to God's law. He meditated completely every day. Even when he is tired, he went to a secret place in the mountain and prayed and focused on his relationship with his father. He came and repeated to his disciples, he, he came to do the will of his father. His meat and his drink is his father's will. He was completely, completely devoted to God and his law, seeking the father's will. And the fruit is evident. We see that in John chapter 15, verse 1. He says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. The point of that chapter is this, beloved. If we abide in Christ and produce fruit, we will remain as branches connected to that true vine. If we do not abide in him, then we'd be like the wicked in the psalm, not close to the source of life. But the beauty about the psalm, not only did Christ, you know, sung this as a child, uh, growing up in the synagogues and the temple, knowing that this is him. But God is a God that does great reversals. Notice something. Verse 1, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. As Reformed believers, we believe in the substitutionary atonement of Christ, that Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 5.21 took our sin. It says that God made Christ who knew no sin to be our sin, so we may be the righteousness of God. So Christ, by taking upon himself God's law, and by uh, taking upon himself our sins, knows what it's like to walk, to stand and sit in the sea of the sinners, mockers, and the ungodly. And while he did that, he was led like a lamb into the slaughter. The tree of life, which is Christ Jesus, was nailed to a dead tree of two pieces of wood. 
This is the beauty of the cross, and this is the beauty of Psalm 1. At the cross, we see the righteousness of God nailed, the tree of life nailed to the wickedness, the dead tree of the cross, the two pieces of wood. And this is what we see here in Psalm 1. Christ imputed his righteousness on his believers, knowing that we could not complete God's law. It's by faith that we are justified and nothing else. The, question, the Christian quest for blessedness is knowing who Christ is and living for him. So the three ways for the blessed man today as a Christian is this. One, have passion for Christ, rooted in love for him. Two, have an obsession for Jesus Christ. Be consumed with knowing Christ. Do not, be, do not settle with just reading your Bible for 10 minutes a week. Go and approach God in prayer. Read his word, study his word, because in his word you will see the beauty of Christ, the beauty of your salvation, the sweetness thereof. Point three, produce fruit. Do not be content with, with just going and reading your Bible in your room and praying, but share the gospel with others. Show that fruit that Christ has bought you, that you are sanctified through the blood of Christ. This is what it means today to be a Christian looking for the quest of blessedness, is to know who Christ is and to make him known. Let us pray. Father God, thank you so much for Psalm 1. Thank you so much for the truths that are expressed here. Most importantly, Lord, thank you so much for your beloved son who lived out the psalm, who meditated on your word, your law, day and night, who loved you with a love that could not be conquered. Father, we pray that the psalm, this message is an encouragement for us that we seek you to know you and to glorify you and to enjoy you. Father, as you sent your son to be the true vine for us, as a true vine cannot be held up unless it's held up with dead pieces of wood. Likewise, Lord, you are held up by that cross. Let us look forever to that moment in history when you died and gave your life for us. In your name, Jesus, amen. Let us rise and honor God with the last song of praise. And hopefully it goes well with the tunes. Because I'm not as talented as y'all with singing. So you guys are beautiful, even without a pianist. Because I'm not ordained, I cannot give the benediction. So let us pray. For the, to close out the service. Father God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for allowing us to gather together on your day. Lord, as we depart from here, bless us. But Lord, let us learn to seek you, to glorify you, to enjoy you with everything we think, say, and do. And Lord, as this day is a day for rest, we, are, we cannot find rest outside of you, O oh Lord. You are our rest. As Augustine once said, we are restless till we find our rest in you. And let us enjoy this rest this day. In your name, Jesus, amen. This uh, concludes the service. Be blessed and have an awesome day. Thank you for listening today. 
If you would like to support the ministry of Thompson Presbyterian Church and the spread of God's Word, we would ask that you consider two things. First, consider praying with us. Pray that God would use His Word to impact the lives of His people and to draw the lost to Himself. As He says in Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Secondly, we would ask that you consider giving financially. You can support this and other ministries by giving through our website, thompsonpresbyterian.org. Just go to the giving page and follow the instructions. You can also give through the Faith Life app on your smartphones. Simply go download the Faith Life app and sign up. Another way to give is to simply text GIVE and the amount to 706-250-6834. Again, that is 706-250-6834. Lastly, you can simply mail in your check, your support to Thompson Presbyterian Church, P.O. Box 398, Thompson, Georgia 30824. I would like to invite you to come and join us for worship on Sunday at 11 a.m. We are located at 607 Jackson Street in Thompson, Georgia. Feel free to check out our website at thompsonpresbyterian.org for all ministries and event details. You can also call us at 706-309-0213 or email us at churchoffice at thompsonpresbyterian.org. Thank you for listening today. Now receive God's blessing. And now the Lord who has loved you with an everlasting love, may he support you all your days with the everlasting arms until the day when the Lord binds up the brokenness of his people and heals the wounds inflicted by his blow. Amen.